All right, everybody, welcome into the Westside Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the show, welcome to the podcast. This podcast is free and available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Index, much, much more. Today's podcast is going to have a lengthy around the world section today. It's going to be a little bit of a different format. Uh, around the world is usually about a five to seven minute segment. Today's going to be a little bit longer. I got something I want to do a deep dive on. Um, obviously, I got some updates for the Mariners. There's been a lot going on over the last 24, 48 hours. I have a fair amount of Seahawks stuff for you today. Kind of expect or what to expect when it comes to tomorrow's preseason game in Pittsburgh versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. With that being said, let's hop straight into it. If you guys enjoy the content I bring to you today, please do me a favor and subscribe, leave a rating, and share this podcast on any platform possible. I would greatly appreciate it and it helps me out a ton. Around the world starts out today with Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins will have to miss uh, game one of preseason due to testing positive, unfortunately, for COVID-19. Deion Sanders, obviously, we all know primetime, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history or just best overall athletes in NFL history, has had a bit of a bold statement stating that, quote, the Hall of Fame has, has lowered the requirements to get into the Hall of Fame. He states... The Hall of Fame should be for, quote, game changers, not simply just good players over the course of their careers. This is a bit of a, uh, I'm not going to call it a hot take, but it's a lukewarm, semi-warm-ish take by Deion Sanders. He always got something to say. Um, he's not exactly a, you know, he doesn't shy away from the limelight or from overall conversation. But what I will t- tell you guys today is that Deion Sanders is not entirely wrong, but he's not entirely right. In my generation, at least, um, especially in this last draft class, we saw guys like Richard Seymour, which in my opinion is not a Hall of Famer. He did have a great career, um, but he wasn't you know, one of the best defensive linemen of my generation or of my life. He wasn't an Aaron Donald. Um, there's, there's a list. I'm not going to get down the whole thing, but I agree with some points of it. I also feel like players like, uh, let's give an example of like Phillip Rivers, right? Obviously never won a championship, never did much of anything when it comes to, to the Chargers of winning playoff games and getting to a Super Bowl, unfortunately. But uh, had a long, good, solid career, was a good face of the league for years and years upon end. And I would understand if he were to get a couple votes to get into the Hall of Fame, but he should not be in there, in my personal opinion. A guy for me that's probably the closest on a borderline is Eli Manning. And Eli Manning won two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. So, I mean, when you have that kind of uh, cachet on your resume, it makes you much easier to get into the Hall of Fame. And I totally understand where he's coming from when it comes to that in general. But overall, you know, Dion's got to throw his three cents in and try and make sure he stays relevant, especially for his college being the head coach of the football team. Report out of Ravens camp today is stated that Lamar Jackson's new contract will, quote, not get done before week one. I uh, question the, what's the word I'm looking for? I question the tactics the Ravens are using right now, simply due to the fact that Lamar Jackson, whether or not you like him or you or you can't stand him, he is one of the best quarterbacks in football, especially for the fact, simply due to dude, that he is the best dual threat quarterback in football, without a doubt. I mean, we watched him run all over the place. His arm talent, it's a lot better than people give him credit for. Yes, it wasn't great when it came out of Louisville, but he's been in the league a couple of years now. He stepped up, he's filling into his shoes, and quite frankly, he's very entertaining to watch. And if I'm the Ravens, I just watched Kyler Murray just get a contract that he did not deserve to get but the reason why they gave it to him is quite simple he's a franchise quarterback 
and finding a franchise quarterback as a team like uh, the Bears, who are still looking one, possibly depending upon whether or not Justin Fields is going to be one. Look how long the Bengals went without having one. Um, the Bills before they had Josh Allen. The Browns, you know, I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield wasn't a franchise quarterback, but he wasn't to the level of a, you know, a Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes, obviously, or a Josh Allen, or, you know, the list goes on. Joe Burrow, right? But, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Ravens, I'm getting this done sooner than later just to save some money against the cap because Aaron Rodgers got paid in the offseason. Russell Wilson's due to get paid in the offseason coming up here pretty quick. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen got his money. Um, it's it's going to blow up. It's going to go crazy. And if I'm the Ravens, I'm trying to save money because players like J.K. Dobbins and your overall stack defense is going to, they're going to want money. Players want money. This is a business. You know, they want to make their money while they're in their prime of their, of their career. And if you do this deal now, knowing how good Lamar Jackson is, and maybe you get a different offensive coordinator to fully, you know, utilize his overall skill set, by all means, you should probably be going about doing that route and going that, uh, you know, going down that, that avenue, right? But overall, Baltimore is in a pretty good spot right now. It's not a bad spot to be in, but if I'm the Ravens uh, administration, I'm getting this deal done in as quickly as possible. Get this distraction out, out, out of the way. They're quite frankly, easily a playoff team this year. Um, wide receivers are going to be a little bit thin. They did sign Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Um, they've got the rookie wide wide receiver kid. I can't pull his head off the top of my off the top of my head right now. I apologize, but I will have that here sooner than later. Um, but I mean, they're they're a deep roster. Obviously, they still have Mark Andrews at tight end. J.K. Dobbins is a good overall quality running back. So they're in a decent spot. But I mean, yo, they all, the Ravens are a very smart team. They're a smart org organization. They'll figure something out. They always do. Just just have patience, see what they can do, and we'll just let the ball roll from there. And then um, the last thing I'm going to touch on today for Around the World is there is an article brought out. And I understand I don't normally cover this kind of stuff, this, but this article is important on many platforms and to a plethora of different people. So I'm going to talk about this for a couple of minutes. A report came out yesterday, late late yesterday or early this morning, um, my Bleacher Report feed's been a little bit uh, funky lately, that 650 black NFL retired players had neurological tests that were recorded during a court ruling. This court ruling was to dictate whether or not they would be eligible to receive benefits from a concussion settlement that was brought in from many years ago. I will go into that time and the timeline in a couple of minutes here. Around 300 former black NFL players are now eligible to receive for financial compensation from the league's $1 billion concussion settlement, which was recorded or rescored, excuse me, to eliminate adjustments to, to test scores based upon race. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as to why you would give two different tests to two different people based upon sim simply the color of their skin. I thought we were past this as a country. I really thought we were, you know, past the days of Rosa Parks and obviously Colin Kaepernick with kneeling on the field and bringing social injustice and awareness and all this good, you know, all, all this good jazz, right? This is another example that people of power still just quite frankly don't give a damn about when it comes down to doing the right thing all the time, which quite frankly is disgusting and it's concerning and it's atrocious. It really is. Because these the NFL is over 65% African-American, right? So if 65% of your league is, is based upon one race, right? 
and you're having 650 players, 300 of which were re were retested, and I'm gonna give a breakdown of those 300 of how that all scored out and what happened and became of that. This is a problem, you know. This that the NFL clearly dropped the ball big time when it came to this problem. You you make the money on the backs of primarily black men in the NFL. Yes, are there white men too or white guys that, that are p- performing well? Yes. But the NFL is, do- is a black dominant, Af- Af- African-American dominant league. It just is. It's a matter of fact, right? Um, 51 of those 300 players qualified for compensation for advanced dementia. That means that this is not just a, oh, we think you might have a problem. You have a legitimate problem. You have a legitimate brain disorder or disease, whatever you want to label it, right? Whatever the correct term is for that. Um, and it took you how many years and how many times and how many different occurrences and occasions f- to have something brought to light? Well, this is what happened, right? 250 of those eligible 300 players for compensation due to early signs of the same dementia problem. So... 50 of those guys, essentially, 50 of these players have legitimate, like, diagnosed it, right? 250 of those players are now showing the same signs, but happen to catch it at an earlier time than the other 51 did, right? Seeger Weiss LLP is the law firm that handled the lawsuit and provided an update noting that thousands of other black players can now request new tests to be determined whether or not they can be eligible for a payout based upon the settlement. The NFL announced the initial $765 million settlement, which was, quote, agreed upon in 2013, was initially brought to light in 2011. The final approval was done, signed, stamped, and sealed by a federal court district judge in 2015. So it took you four years to get this done, right? To be, quote, finalized this is done everybody gets their money everybody gets a slice out of the proverbial pie so be it you know sorry for you know sorry for your issues and for your long for your lifetime uh uh health impairments right whatever you you, you want to call it right this is where it gets a little bit tough for me and i'm gonna do my best to keep this clean for you guys okay no promises but i'm gonna do my best i too ride really hard on this podcast too attorney christopher seeger who is the main attorney that handled and did and handled the responsibility for the racial bias that prevented many black players for qualifying for benefits this is his quote this is his exact quote word for word and i want you guys to listen in here and just kind of digest on this for a minute after i say this quote i was wrong i didn't have a full appreciation of the scope of the problem you think you know everything sometimes you don't Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me right now? You as a white man are trying to state that you didn't have the basis and understanding of what all of these black men have been been put through and been dealing with for years and years and years. Well, no crap. Like, how damn dumb are you, man? Seriously? Why? Because you didn't go into a smacking your head into a head-on-head collision-based sport like football is? You don't understand what they're dealing with? How stupid are you? Like, the NFL, you hired this clown? Are you kidding me? You couldn't find anybody better. What? Is this uh, Seeger Weiss LLP the only people that you trusted to possibly get this done? You couldn't have hired a 
predominantly black or an African-American based law firm to handle this situation and handle this whole thing accordingly? No. And now you got this random jack wagon who's trying to step up and take the blunt of the blame, which should be at the feet of Roger Goodell, not this guy who's just biting the bullet for Roger. This is disgusting. NFL, you done dropped the damn ball hard on this one, and I hope it's a heavy medicine ball and it crushes your feet. It disgusts me. The three conditions that are now covered by the settlement are Al Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, and Lou Gehrig's, right? So three predominantly well-known and diagnosed diseases in this country are covered under this. It took, so I'm just going to re-bring this back one more time. 2011, this was brought up. 2013, it was formally announced and it was going to be agreed upon. And it was officially done by 2015. It is 2022. It took you seven freaking years after this was, quote, accepted for people to pull their heads out of their asses and figure out that there was something wrong. Again, I apologize for the little bit of, of, of the language. It's for a damn good reason. So many families, so many good men have put their line and their life and their health and their wellness to put a product on the field that is entertainment for millions and billions of people around the world who want to watch football and you waited seven years to allow a small group of men right and this this is just 300 there's going to be much more like i said there's going to be thousands that come down the line that are dealing with the same amount of issues because it's the most violent sport in all the world Football, right? Example, the Seahawks, we all would have remembered what happened to Ricardo Lockett. He was supposed to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Thank God he wasn't. And it's a pure act of grace and whatever else you, you want to label it as that he's able to have a somewhat normal life. But there are lots of players who don't have that uh, option, don't have that uh, ability anymore. And it took you seven years to figure out that you done screwed up. Wow. Wow, NFL. That's all I got to say on that one. Mariners. All right, here we go. I'm going to try and get a little mental research real, 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 real quick for you guys. Strength of schedule is something that's going to be brought up a lot throughout the next 49 games for the Seattle Mariners. They have ranked the second easiest schedule for the playoff stretch currently at like a, it was like a 441 uh, winning percentage for the remainder of the season. So this I'm going to start well with the tough games and then we're going to finish off with the easy ones to give you an idea of who we're playing and for how many games and what this means for the overall playoff picture going down the playoff stretch. Seven games versus Cleveland, three games versus Atlanta, three versus the White Sox, two versus the, the San Diego Padres. That's the toughest part. That's it. You have seven, 10, 13, 15 games. So 15 out of 49 leaves you 34, right? So you have nine versus the, the Oakland A's, who are terrible. Seven versus the Tigers, who are a dumpster fire. Seven versus the Angels, who will not have Mike Trout probably for the rest of, of, of the season. Boo-hoo. Don't expect any sympathy from me. Six versus Texas. Three going on, going with this uh, series today. Starting today, which I'll get into here after I'm done with this. Three versus Kansas City. Two versus the, the Washington Nationals. The Mariners, this is the time to make hay. This is the time where you get it done, you get inside the fields, you throw on the old you know, international harvester hat, and you get it done, right? Rodney Atkins, whole nine yards. Who? I don't care. This is, this is go time. This is where you make money. This is where you cast checks, put it into the savings account, and look forward to spending that money during October. This is what this means. Roster moves that have happened the last 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. Jared Kelnick was optioned to AAA. Luis Torrens was DFA'd. 
Ken Giles also DFA'd. Uh, this opens up another 40-man roster spot, which currently now sits at 38. It'd be interesting to see who Jerry fills with those last two spots on the 40-man. I'm anticipating probably some kids from AAA or maybe some team cuts a veteran and they're able to do something well with it, but we'll, you know, we'll see whenever we, we, we get there, right? Julio Rodriguez reinstated along with Kirk Casale from the 10-day IL. Chris Flexen was moved to the bullpen. Uh, the report was Chris Flexen was more than willing to do this. He just wants to win. The whole team just wants to win. This is a great showing of sign of faith by Chris Flexen after being nothing but a starting pitcher for most of his career that he's willing to uh, adjust for the sake of this team. So that's just another contribution and sacrifice that you got to do to make a playoff winning baseball team. Pitching matchup today will be George Kirby versus Josh Zborbs. Zborbs, I, I apologize if I got that wrong. It's S-B-O-R-Z. It's kind of a weird name. Lineup today was announced just a little bit ago. Will be Julio, France, Hanniger, Winker, Suarez, Santana, Frazier, Cal Raleigh, and J.P. Crawford. First time all season for the full lineup for the Seattle Mariners. Cannot wait to see this happen. I anticipate George Kirby to probably pitch five to six innings. Um, I would also anticipate to see George Kirby pitch today, or excuse me, uh, Chris Flexen pitch today behind George, George Kirby. Um, maybe they go five and give Chris Flexen two. That's also an option. It kind of all depends upon how well he's able to use his pitch uh, effectiveness and his pitch count throughout the course of today's game. Seahawks preseason game one is tomorrow. I am so excited to watch football. Pittsburgh, four o'clock p.m. West Coast time. Expect Ken Walker to receive plenty of carries and touches due to Rashad Penning having uh, some growing tightness that he sustained during day before yesterday's practice. Pete spoke glowingly of Rashad of uh, Ken Walker, excuse me, calling him quote a three down back. He has really improved in his pass catching and pass blocking duties. This was not things that he was overly great at at Michigan State and at Wake Forest, but he has done a great job of working extra extra time and extra hard with our coaches to get better at those certain skill sets. In, pre in preparation for Saturday's game. Um, same thing goes for both Kobe Bryant and Tariq Wolin. Both of these guys are anticipated to get lots of playing time tomorrow. Uh, I anticipate probably probably be equal between the two. I'm really excited to see these two kids play. There's been so much hype around Tariq, Tariq Wolin and Kobe Bryant. Uh, reports are saying that Kobe Bryant's playing a lot of nickel lately in practice. Uh, not so much slot. That's going to be more like Justin Coleman, those kind of guys. Um, but I'm really excited to see Tariq Wollin run. Everyone's talked about this kid being a Raptor. I can't wait to watch it. Um, Pete, interesting enough about Tariq Wollin, right? Continues to compare him to Richard Sherman based upon his length and his ability to learn the overall scheme in football in general, which is really impressive considering he came out of D2 and University of Texas San Antonio, and he was a, a uh, he changed positions from wide receiver to cornerback. So ability to see that is showing blatantly on the field and as well as inside the film room really excited for that jordan brooks is really close to be able to come back to practice after returning from his hamstring injury and i got a list of for you guys of players who will be active or will not excuse me be active in tomorrow's game at pittsburgh list goes as Artie burns sydney jones jordan brooks freddie swain lj collier marquise goodwin rashad penny and d eskridge um i'm becoming very frustrated with d eskridge it's kind of like the same thing i feel with jared kelnick um but d eskridge has just been hurt and hasn't been able to get right. It's kind of been one of those CJ Procise kind of injuries or issues where he just constantly is dealing with some kind of an injury in some form or fashion. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happens to some players who are just unable to, quote, get right. Congratulations 
if I can talk, to Dwayne Brown on getting a two-year extension or deal with the New York Jets worth up to $22 million. Uh, obviously, they did they did this deal due to the fact that Mikai Becton was, uh, bro- broke his right kneecap during practice. They need a right tackle. Um, they obviously really value the uh, future franchise quarterback, hope to be in Zach Wilson. They put a lot of weapons around him in the offseason, uh, and I just hope and pray that he will fit in well over there with the Jets, and he's able to get some playing time to continue his really, really good overall lengthy career of being a savvy vet. With that being said, that's going to be today's podcast. Um, if you guys enjoyed the pod today, please do me a favor and subscribe and leave a rating and share this podcast on all platforms. Again, this podcast is free and available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Index much, much more. Uh, hopefully, the Mariners are able to get on to the right foot today. Uh, big matchup today with George Kirby. Hopefully, we can get this whole lineup cooking and going. J-Rod's going to come out probably all guns a-firing and a-blazing. Seahawks will have a great game tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. See how well the rookies play. So, and best of all, as we always hop out here, if saying, CS Rise, go Hawks.